Welcome to the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. I'm Wayne Washington, founder and CEO of Grow Company Profits. We help CEOs stop leaving money on the table while sustaining profitability to fund managed growth. The CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast is basically CEOs helping other CEOs with tips, tools, and techniques to implement company projects or other work activities on time, on target, and on budget. Let's spend the next 30 minutes together with my guest CEO and maybe learn some different tools to put into your CEO toolbox. Welcome listeners to the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy, a podcast by CEOs for CEOs seeking execution excellence. You know, we've all been there. We've had that great project that we thought was going to be a home run. Then we went to implement it with that idea and the results didn't come out like we planned. You remember how bad you felt, how down you felt? Well, did you know that less than 10% of companies make over a million dollars in revenue? So my guest today is a Mr. Phil Blows, and he has a company that is doing fantastic because not everybody makes over a million dollars in revenue. So Phil is doing something right. He's successful, and he's going to tell you about some of the things he's done. The name of his company is Accrue, A-Q-R-U, and this company can be found at www.aqru.io. Phil, I love having you on the show. Let me hear a little bit about Phil, about Phil Blows. Tell me about who you are. Thanks so much for having me, Wayne. It's uh, it's lovely to be here, and uh, yeah, very kind introduction. Thank you. So, um. Yeah, my name is Phil Blows. I'm co-founder and CEO of, of Accru, um, which uh, we founded in, in just in January of last year, actually. So it's been a pretty pretty crazy uh, roller coaster ride. Um, we had a busy year last year. We raised 11 million pounds or just sort of around $15 million of, of kind of external financing. We also went public. So we actually ended up listing the business in the UK and it's a publicly traded company now. And yeah, we've uh, we've grown and signed up twenty thousand customers and got sort of tens of millions of dollars of um, of of, um, of assets onto the onto the platform. Um, you know, out, outside of work, um, I live just outside London in the UK, and uh, I've got a, a loving wife. Um, we've been married for six years soon, and um, we've got a three-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter. Wow! And yeah, really, uh, really enjoyed kind of building a startup really from the, from the home office um, with a baby running around and, you know, being able to dive out and kind of, you know, change the occasional nappy when, um, you know, when, when I've needed to. And, but also, you know, in between kind of podcasts like this and, you know, setting up businesses and things like that. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been great. And I think, uh, you know, I've enjoyed mixing kind of uh, startup life and, 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 um, and family life. Well, sound like things move very quickly for you. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go back and, you know, what I, what I try to do is give people an idea of how you started. You know, you, you've been in business for over a year now. 
how did you start? Tell me that starting story. Why did you start? How did you get started? What made you do it? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's really interesting. Like, what was the what was kind of the catalyst? And I'm I have I've asked other founders throughout my career, like any company I've worked in, I've always sort of chat, tried to chat to the CEO to say, like, you know, what was the what was the catalyst that gave you the confidence to kind of take the leap? And it's it's really really strange that kind of like, you know, um, it's it's quite it's always quite hard to pinpoint. But I kind of found that throughout my career, and it was, you know, I, I give a lot of a lot of credit to people who found businesses in their kind of twenties. For me. You know, I had a 50 or 17 year education before I started the business. And mm-hmm. without that education, I would never have been, you know, I think the business would have, would have had the early success that we've had. Um, but I think what I found was, and one of the big catalysts was, you know, increasingly as I went through my career, just getting more and more frustrated, you know, that um, I wasn't at the decision-making table necessarily. You know, I had, I was running, running divisions and all these sorts of things, but I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, I had a, Every company that I worked for, like I saw myself as, a, as, as an owner and a founder to try and, you know, I was absolutely bought into the vision of the business, you know, but, I, you know, my input would only go so far. And really there was, you know, it was very collaborative, but I, I've you know, always found that I had this frustration building over time. And, um, and so I was always looking at things and, you know, I had a couple of sort of half efforts of setting up small companies in kind of the e-commerce space, which never really went anywhere. Um, and cause you know, it was, I was never kind of as bought in as you almost need to be to, to get, in my opinion, something off the ground. Um, but then, you know, I found this, this opportunity, which I thought was incredible, which was, you know, I was looking at, I was, I, my background has always been kind of traditional finance. I was looking and, and getting involved with crypto and, you know, there were lots of crypto exchanges that were, that were appearing everywhere, but I thought there was, I wanted to take a slightly different angle to it. And, um, you know, I was I, I got interested in crypto when I realized you could generate interest on the coins you hold. Uh-huh. So effectively, we set up a business whereby if you've got exist, existing crypto, you deposit onto the platform and we pay you up to you know, 12% interest on, on your crypto coins. And you know, all of a sudden you've got this, you've turned a highly speculative asset into something that's actually giving a very consistent stream of income. Um, but the thing that's stopping everyone from doing that was the back end mechanics of generating that yield were quite, quite complicated. You know, given my background, I sort of was pretty uniquely um, placed to really be able to take that complexity, simplify it into an app and then you know, distribute it to our customers. So we've, we've effectively built a business that takes all of the really complex world of what's called decentralized finance and kind of crypto and yield farming and turned it into a really easy to consume app that you know anyone in the world can can kind of access and and, and use, and um, I think that kind of you know that journey, and seeing and seeing the op- spotting the opportunity that you know people want that convenience, they want the complex, they want the complex simplified, you know that's kind of been a, I guess a a, a consistent theme throughout my career. So what 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 you said they like the complex simplified. What was your secret sauce to help that to, to move that process forward to, to simplify things? Yeah, so it's I mean it's just really designing the uh, the product with the with the end user in mind. You know, if we so I mean if, if anyone's ever used an investment platform and that sort of thing, you'll probably see that it's always designed to kind of encourage the behavior that you want. So if you're an investment platform, you generally make money or a trading platform, you generally make money when people are buying and selling very actively. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, so what you'll see is lots of new opportunities constantly thrown at you. You'll get emails saying, oh, we've just listed this new stock or crypto, whatever it is. And, you know, have you tried this new technical analysis strategy that means you can beat the market and all these sorts of things. And it's all about encouraging you to transact more frequently because that's how the business makes money. And, you know, frustratingly, that's also how most, most investors lose money by being active. You're, you know, you're, you're sort of at the, at the, at the mercy of your emotional biases and, you know, it's it just it's very few people can do that successfully. So what we did was take a business and almost put in these user experience steps that you know, like high interest. You know, if you're earning high interest, you're encouraged not to move your in and out of assets. It's like, well, I've got an asset there, for example, that's pegged to the US dollar and is paying me 12 percent. You know, I don't need to jump in and out of that all the time. I'm getting a good return and I'm happy to kind of check back in infrequently and, you know, not not go not go crazy. So it's um, it's all these kind of little design tricks that we've put into the into things, trying to encourage the user. Or what I'd say is, is try to tip the balance in the favor of the customer to make money, because that was that was a big driving force of the business as well. Is that you know I don't want I don't want to put a product out there in the world that doesn't leave people better off. You uh-huh. know, I want to create something where you know wealth is being accumulated. People are you know getting more financially resilient and. People not, might not associate that with crypto, but I feel when done correctly, that it, it's it's probably one of the best asset class at the moment to create that kind of long-term wealth. Okay, and and so you got as you got started, you you made a decision to, to take the leap. Tell me about some of the early hurdles you went through. What, what were some of the growing pains? And you know, yeah, you work for people a lot, but when you went on your own. Talk about some of those initial hurdles, initial things you had to overcome. I mean, the the original was just getting getting some yeah, early financing for the business, and um, you know, with no track record, you've effectively got a business plan on a piece of paper, and you know, you want to you've got a little bit of traction. Maybe you've, we we had a few customers who were just using what the service would look like, but albeit undigitized things like that. So you know, that initial challenge of getting out there and a great you know trying to you know, round up capital was um, you know was pretty it was tough. But, um, you know, it was also very character building stuff. You know, I always think that the all of the kind of trials, tribulations we've had, you know, tough times build strong, strong people and strong companies. And I think, you know, looking at the market they're in now as well, we see like the, the market's not great. We're building a tougher company. But more specifically, one of the things we had in the early days of raising, raising money was um, we had quite a lot. We were going out to raise you know, quite a big chunk of money and um you know, we had a mixture of angel investors and institutional investors and the, the market effectively halved in value. As in, when I say the market, the crypto market halved in value. And, um, you know, so all of a sudden, the, you know, the institutional investors, which we were, who were, we were relying on, weren't returning our phone calls, weren't picking up the phone, you mm-hmm. know, disappeared completely. And we had to sort of split the round in half. Because the angel investors, the ones who bought into the team, the vision, you know, they were solid. And luckily, you know, luckily they were because that's what really catapulted the business. So we, you know, we had to reduce the, the size of our kind of seed round because institutional investors just disappeared when the markets look a little bit rocky. They recovered very quickly. And the same institutional investors then came back to try and invest in the business. But we had closed the round. So we haven't taken them on as shareholders. And I think probably told a lot about those shareholders as to what they would be like with their business uh-huh. and if they're going to abandon things when the going gets tough. So, you know, we learned a lot from that and um, yeah. 
so when the, the, those uh, those institutional investors started uh, backing off and pulling pulling away, how did you take that? I mean, what, what was that? What was that thought gone in your mind? How did you feel? Were you scared? Was it? What, did you panic or what did you do? I mean, I think it. You know, it's sleepless nights. It's worry. It's it's. I mean, it's never panic, but I think you know, certainly you're worrying. You know, you always got in the early stage. It's sort of like kind of giving you know the business giving the business life, and it's kind of. As it's in its infancy, it's most vulnerable. I think, right. and yeah, as, as we're now growing, we've raised a lot more capital. These sort of things, you know, the business gets more and more resilient. And um, in those early stages, you know, the, they're big body blows when these sorts of things happen. And you know, we had um, we had loads of them. And um, but you know, it's it's sort of trying to take a step back and say, well, you know, we, we on balance, you know, the everything is going well, and it's sort of. You know, I think that's that's the thing, trying to get perspective, um, because, you know, if I combine that, that was a um, that was one of the bad things that happened. I mean, strangely, we coincided that kind of initial seed round. We, there, I had the opportunity that someone I'd worked with previously who had run the tech business of who's the you know, chief technology officer of a previous company, uh-huh. really talented guy. And, you know, I was desperate to hire him. But you know, he had a good job. He's got a family, he's got a mortgage and all, all the usual stuff. So, you know, he's wanting to see the money in our account before he's willing to take the leap, you know. And so when those institutional investors are kind of, you know, bailing on us, uh-huh. I've got this person on the hook who's also sort of looking at other businesses, not sure if startups are the thing, you know, this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, so really trying to encourage him to join the business. But even though the institutional customers disappeared and we didn't have as much capital as we thought in the seed round, you know, the the CTO liked what we were doing. You know, he was bought in, you know, he was, he was, you know, he took a leap of faith in, in us in, in my, my, in me and my co-founder Digby, um, you know, which is, which was important because, you know, that he's, he's like, you know, he's been absolutely phenomenal since day one. So, you know, at the same time, someone let us down, someone else took a leap of faith with us. So it was, you know, it was nice. So did, did, did you, um, did you ever get to that point where you you got you got why did I do this? I wish I was back in a corporate life. What did you did you have that that conviction? Did you did you really believe in yourself and you knew you were going to push through? I it was it was really odd. I had I had the opportunity. I got offered fact, one of my dream job or the best best job I would have ever have had at the same time as I was raising that seed round. Uh-huh. So a corporate job, you know really cool job would have really you know absolutely fitted into what you know into what i was looking as the next step that sort of thing and um you know so that was really kind of i you know turn i had to turn that down you know at a time when you know to to, to move from one company to another I took like you know at least a 50 percent salary cut you know, it was like 75 percent salary cut you know this new job corporate job was like you know big uplift in in salary or these sorts of things you know, but I guess what I guess I just was in a position where I knew myself a bit better and how I'd been the last few jobs, how I'd been feeling. You know, when I mentioned about that frustration, you know, I, I knew that I would start this job and instantly or within, you know, three or four months, I'd start looking at starting my own thing again and I'd sort of disengage. I knew that was going to happen. So uh-huh. it's almost the case like I had to get it out of my system. So, you know, I've and, you know, having now done it, it's so, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, you know, it, the thought of going back to the corporate world and not being, you know, and sort of working for a bigger organization that 
you know, with the kind of bureaucracy that goes with it and those sorts of mm-hmm. things. I just, I just couldn't see myself ever doing it again. You know, everything is more intense at this point, you know, the highs are higher, the lows are lower, but it's just, you know, it's that responsibility that you have. It's the accountability you have for the business. It's just, you know, it, it engages you more than any working for anyone else who ever would. It all comes down to you. I mean, you're, you're, you're the one that has to make it happen. You're the one everybody's eyes are looking at, your customers, your employees. So I understand exactly where you're coming from. Does, did, did, did they give you a sense of added purpose when you, when you have people depending on you? Or, I mean, how, how, you know, in a corporate world, you know, the CEO, he makes that big decision and he has to take those worries home. Now you're in that driver's seat. How, how do, do you feel differently? How do you approach life any differently? I think, you know, well, well I'm very, very fortunate to have a, a you know, very, very supportive co-founder. And I think one of the things that a lot of, a lot of, com- you know, a lot of early companies fail is when there's loads of friction between co-founders, but, you know, we've, we've, um, we've gelled very well, you know, we, we're both, you know, complementary skill sets and things like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have that, which, you know, is, is a big area that I, you know, release pressure in terms of just being able to, you know, have a good chat with him. You know, we're, the relationship with your co-founder is different with the rest of the business, you know, I think. Okay. But then you know, in terms of like how it's affected the rest of my life, you know, I wouldn't say it's altogether positive, you know, because it's so all, it's so consuming, you know, with what happens that, you know, like my wife is just like, she thinks I'm a worse driver now than I've ever been. She's like, I can tell you're half on the road, half thinking about a crew doing something else, you know? And, um, you know, I'm, I, I hold my hands up and say, look, I'm a new CEO. And I think, um, you know, I need to I need to get better at kind of like time boxing things and sort of, you know, not let, you know, because you just get so passionate about it. I could you know, I could work on this 24 hours a day and it wouldn't feel like work. You know, that's 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 what it's like. I, I feel. Um, yeah. Are you work? Are you working longer hours? Uh, I mean, what, what, what kind of days are you putting in? Well, I mean, this is it because, you know, again, you sort of don't notice it, but. I mean, I've the way that we've structured the business, we we wanted to have a really open and flexible culture. So we've now got employees in, you know, um, Canada, Argentina, UK, Bulgaria, Sweden, uh, Dubai and Australia. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of talking to all of them all the time. So it might not be pretty consistent, but my day will often start at, you know, 7 a.m., when I've had my first calls and finished at 10 PM when I have like last ones. And sometimes I'm speaking to people, you know, I'm doing, doing quite a bit at the weekend, you know, so I don't know, you don't, you don't sort of, but again, it's say it doesn't feel like work. You know, this is, this is a, this is an absolute passion at this point. Okay. And, um, you know, but I think it's, it's, you know, we were on a mission and I think we've, I've never, I've never worked a business where it's been so clear that if we just keep doing what we're doing well, you know, I think we'll be a billion dollar company in 18 months. And I, you know, that's outstanding. I mean, and you said it with such confidence. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it, you know, it's not sort of like, I've said it in previous jobs where, you know, it's been, oh, if this goes well, this goes, it's like, we've got the platform, we've got the team. And it's like, we're just doing more and more of what we do, you know, and it's sort of, it's never, I've never been clearer about the roadmap of what we need to do to get to such a big, big goal, you know, so, okay. um, you know, that's really addictive, you know, because you just know you can always do more that will have such a big impact on the business. So you're, you're, it's difficult to leave it alone. So so tell me about growth. How, how, you know, it, you, you're, you're in a business now, 
is growth natural? Do you have to work for your company's growth? Do people come to you or how are you approaching growth? How are you going to achieve growth? So we've, we're, we're really fortunate to have negative churn as a business. So, you know, through some incentive structures that we've put in place for for new people to start referral structures and things like that, you know, you put one customer in, you generally get two out. So we're not losing customers by, you know, every time we grow, we then organically grow further from referrals because, you know, the service we offer is valuable and people like it. So it's you know, that that is incredibly healthy because I've I've had businesses I've worked for where you put 10 customers in and a year later, you've got seven. Then you put another 10 in and, you know, you end up with like, you know, I don't know, 12 and you're sort of it's and it's you're just running, you know, feels like you're just it's always running uphill. Whereas, you know, we're, we're doing we put in 10 at the end of the next year, we've got 20, even if we haven't done anything else. So it's kind of you know, it's great to have that kind of organic growth in, in a business which shows really strong product market fit and that we're, we're treating our customers well. Um, but, you know, on top of that, you know, this is a this is a, like a hyper growth market and there are competitors coming into the space. So, you know, we are in full blitzscaling mode. If, you know, that's a concept that the people are familiar with where, you know, we've got a product that works. We know the cost per acquisition. So it's almost a, cost, a case of how much money can we turbocharge this? Because mm-hmm. we want to be the biggest as quickly as possible. And, you know, I think that will mean we overspend in certain areas and we're not as efficient as we can be. But in like a land grab, which I feel like we're in right now, it's worth doing because long term, you know, those customers should stay with us for a long time. Well, I heard you you mentioned a term that um, you you might be doing some things uh, inefficiently. You you might be spending money. Are you able to keep your arms around your business? Are you able to understand your operations? Are you able to control your operations or your operations controlling you? When you have that hyper growth. Sometimes yeah. companies can grow faster than they, they can control. How, how are you doing? I feel like, I think it's like if you've grabbed a big ball of like, you know, Play-Doh or slime and you sort of like squeeze it, there's little bits pop out, you know, like, and I think, you know, I think as opposed to like, you know, um, you know, everything going wrong at once or everything, you know, losing, losing kind of track of some area. It's like a little bit, you know, there'll be an area of, of, of different business units that will need extra attention and we kind of, you know, then add people or, you know, headcounts or whatever it is. So we're, you know, we're kind of, you know, the business is growing 100% a month. So, you know, that kind of growth is pretty, is pretty tough to manage whatever happens. So I try not to beat ourselves up too much about it. But it's, um, you know, I think the main thing, the main thing we've found is just like, I'm, I'm being as, I think previously I've worked at companies where the hiring wasn't up to scratch. It's like the most important thing we can do. I know it sounds it sounds like a, you know a truism or just sort of like you know just like very common wisdom, but it's just like you've got to hire people who are just amazing at what they do because if they're in a, in that super high growth, you know, there's <clears throat> there's an, there's kind of like a I don't know an incentive just to get people through the door. But if they're the wrong people, it's gonna it's gonna make it even harder. So I think everyone we've hired has been phenomenal so far. So we're very lucky that we haven't sort of had any big hiring mistakes. Is, but is everybody remote? Every, well, we, we're sort of a bit, it's, it's a bit, um, we have, we have an office, a customer service office where everyone gets together, um, which is in Bulgaria and in, in Sofia. Um, everyone else is remote. And the, the, one of the things I liked was like, you know, the culture of work when you want, where you want, take as much holiday as you want. 
you know, then it's down to bit, it's down to us as as management, as a management team, to you know set very clear goals and say, look, this is what we need to get done, you know, and be very clear about what needs to get done, and then you know give people the flexibility and the autonomy to get it done themselves, you know, and obviously support them. But you know, I think and that 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 kind of attracts a very driven you know um sort of sort of employee who wants to work with you know a lot of latitude a lot of autonomy but generally are you know really high performers you know and Mm -hmm. and and they care you know i think i think we've got everyone in the business is a huge supporter of the business which is amazing Mm -hmm. to see you know they are you know they shout about they're telling their friends they're getting everyone they know involved in the business and yeah they're they're massive advocates themselves which often you lose in a lot of big businesses right now, are, are, are they uh, incentivized, do they get incentives for growth? I mean, because what I'm trying to understand is, how do you keep that culture? It, it, it's great what you describe and the employees you have, you know, but one bad apple in time can, can hurt a culture. How, how do you maintain that environment, that, that, that strong culture that you have? I think it, you know, it came from the first highs that we made. And I think, you know, we, you know, the founders sign off every hire that's made as well you know so we we interview everyone and you know we're really there for cultural fit um you know we're about we're we're kind of 40 people at the moment and um you know growing but it's you know it's we're we're at at a size where it's it's it would be pretty obvious if someone wasn't a cultural fit um but yeah i think you know because we've got the first 40 right and it's Mm -hmm. like okay we know if we're really, you know, if we drum this into anyone who's hiring that they've got, you know, ideally hire someone who's better than you, you know, that's, that's the real test of a, of a good, of a good employee. It's like, you know, that's one of the questions we ask any senior manager is like, who's, who's the most successful person who ever worked for you, you know, and if they can't name anyone, you are like, well, you're probably not very good at hiring them, you know? Okay. Um, so it's, um, that sort of thing is, is I think, is a really interesting question to ask people. But we've we've got a good, you know, we've got a good base in place, and I think they will they will in turn hire, you know, A's hire A's. So you know, it's it's sort of the way I'm, I'm hoping it'll work. But we'll see. You know, it's all very well me saying this when we're at our size. You know, if we if we're ten times larger, it's um, it's going to be much more challenging. Well, Phil, how do you, how do you define success? I it's I think it's um. That's a good question. I think I mean, for, for me, and it's a, it's an odd way of, of defining it, I think, but it, there's, it, you know, it's a big sense of free of personal freedom. Uh-huh. I think, um, you know, times when I've probably felt least successful in my life was when I was kind of, I didn't have any options and okay. sort of, well, very few, or felt like I had very few options. And, you know, whether, whether that was because I was not in a strong financial position or, um, you know, I was going, I was being, you know, going into an office and doing a job that I didn't enjoy these sorts of things, or, you know, if family life's not going well, that sort of thing. And, you, you know, it's, I think where you've got, where you've got that, you know, when you've got options and, you know, the, you've got that sense that, you know, you, you've got, you can do almost do anything that you put your mind to, um, you know, that's success. I, I feel and it's, and it's, it's weird. Like, I like my feelings of success and stress kind of go hand in hand. I think uh-huh. you know, not oh, being yeah. successful, the stress really picks up, you know, it's that, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's an interesting trade-off. Well, it sounds like you have a, a good work home balance, you know, which you, it, 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 you let the, you don't let the stress affect your home life. It sounds like. 
Yeah, I try not to. And it's, you know, it's I, I you know, by no means am I always, you know, I, I would say I hold my hands up and say, you know, just easy to be distracted, you know, sitting on the sofa in the evening when I should be, you know, having a, a good conversation with my wife with probably, you know, both in our phones to working, you know, which is not which is not healthy. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's we need to just like that. That, again, is areas that we work on. I think, you know, given given that we're in this new kind of situation together, whereby, you know, there is this incredibly sort of demanding job that's sort of in, you know, the living rooms there and, you know, the, the sort of the office is here. So I can always uh-huh. just step in, which I think, you know, we've got to, got to do better at sort of creating those boundaries and making sure one doesn't leak in too much into the other. Um, uh-huh. but, you know, w- working from home really helps, you know, it means I can, I can, you know, spend, I've spent way more time with my kids than I ever thought I would at this point in their life, you know, that's great. That's my, you know, I look, I look at my father and, you know, he, he had to commute into London, like, you know, every day and he would, you know, leave at six and probably get back at seven, seven. And, you know, as a young kid, I was probably in bed at seven and saw him, you know, saw him you know, for a few minutes and then was off to bed and or, or at the weekends, you know, and um, forced to travel a lot. So it's a really different dynamic now, um, which I think is, you know, one of the one of the positives that's come out of a very horrible COVID situation is, is kind of that, I think. That's great. Well, I'm a, I'm a return. I'm a I'm a kind of get get into one of those inter reflection kind of questions for you. What makes you a good CEO? Why are you a good CEO? Why are you good at what you do? Well, I mean, it's a good question. Again, uh, it's because yeah, and I probably don't reflect on these things enough. I mean, I I mean, I've always said everything that I've always done is like I. I would never ask anyone to do something that I wouldn't have done or would, you know, would still do myself. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I don't like any ego, you know, we're really, you know, there's no room for ego in our business. And I, I often, I just makes me cringe when I see these kind of, you know, CEOs running, you know, walking around and they've got kind of like an entourage of people just like, you know, ha- you know, they're like, where's my coffee? And someone just scurries in. You can tell they're just some, overworked intern it's all because of this like ego that i'm just too important you know and you know to do to do these things and you know, there's an element of truth that, yeah you know it's it's great to be you know focused on the highest value tasks you possibly can be uh-huh. but like i mean i think it's really important that you know there's no ego everyone's down to earth everyone treats each other well you know just as a basic amount of, you know basic sort of you know people are people are people are good to each other and i think <clears throat> you know that's that's one thing that that I, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm quite strong on that I'm very approachable. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll often say, I don't want to be, you know, at no point do I want to be the smartest person in the room, you know, and we hire people I, I, and I'm, I'll, I'm very open and, and sort of to, to, you know, when people are challenging me, you know, I really try and get people to challenge me, okay. which, um, which is good because I know that, you know, often they'll know much better than I will. So, yeah, I think just getting because that also involves people in the process. It's less of, an, less of a, like an autocracy, and you know that sort of thing. So hopefully, you know, we'll see well, if I'm still, if I'm still in the post in a year's time. You know, I haven't done anything too wrong. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like you got a, you got a good routine going. Uh, one last thing I want to I want to kind of touch on. You know, I I try to get my guest CEOs to to transfer some words of wisdom, some tips or. What, what 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 can you tell your fellow CEOs who are trying to grow? It it, seem, it sounds like you're growing, you're growing fast, you're handling it, but there are people out there who are struggling. There are people out there from a CEO standpoint, it's it's hard for them. They're not they're not having fun anymore. 
What can you tell them? How can you, how can you help them? I mean, I, I often find like, you know, the business stress, which I find comes, it's, it comes from like quite a definable source. Like, um, often the things you can't, the things, if, if things, something is obviously out of your control, you know, you find yourself not getting stressed about it, but like, if you if you feel yourself getting stressed about a specific area of your business, it's generally because you like know deep down that you could do something to improve it. And um, I think you know a lot of it's quite easy to sort of settle and not you know not be afraid to kind of break your own convention within a business. So you know if you identify something that's not working, it's about going out and just disrupting it and trying something new. And, you know, a lot of people fear change and, you know, they, you know, especially if it was something that they'd pushed for and they had initiated, you know, um, you know, if, if it, if it's not working, it's stressing you out because you know, you can do something about it. Don't procrastinate, get out there and change it. Um, that would probably be, you know, something that I think I'm like, I always know when there's something that's like bugging me and, you know, worrying about it when I'm trying to fall asleep at night. I know that's something that, you know, that's kind of my brain telling me to go and change that and improve it because it's within your power to do it. So I'd say that was probably, probably one of the, you know, an early bit of wisdom that I've, I've kind of learned from, from the role. Well, I, I appreciate that, those words of wisdom, you know, because um, as, as you probably realize, being a CEO is, can be a lonely kind of a job. You know, you 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 don't always want to show your vulnerabilities. You don't you want to feel like you're in charge and on top of things. And sometimes it it you, you keep things to yourself that you might you don't share things that you might normally share to your wife or your spouse. So I understand where you're coming from, and I understand how that that stress can build up. So tell me about tell me about Phil blows away from work. Take take that CEO title out of there. Who's the, who's that man behind the CEO title? I think that I'd, I'd love to see myself as, as a family man. You know, I, I love spending time with my kids. You know, it's quite a, it's quite a, quite a tough age that they're both at, at three and one at the moment because mm-hmm. they are, you know, they they you know they demand a lot of a lot you know a hundred percent attention all the time. But mm-hmm. um, you know, which is, but yeah, just shutting off from work and just spending time with the family is is really important. And um, you know, I think I love being outside. I love being physically active. Um. And, you know, often I can put a lot of stress down to that as well. If I'm not, if I'm not sort of looking after my, my health and sort of out there kind of stressing my body and things like that, then I know it's going to, you know, it will, there'll be knock on effects elsewhere. So, um, yeah, love spending time with the family, love being outside in nature and just, you know, that, that sort of thing and trying to disconnect, um, you know, getting a bit of sort of, you know, just, just peace and sort of non-tech time, um, yeah, that's that's sort of what I do most of my time, and you know, love love going out for dinner with my wife, and um, love a nice glass of red wine. Um, that's that that's a bit of me. That 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 sounds neat, and you know, and and it sounds simple. You know, it's it's, it's not extravagant. It's it sounds like simple, down to earth. You said you're a down to earth type of person. Phil, how if someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you? I mean, there, there's a couple of different ways. I mean, if, if it's about the business, I'd, I'd suggest going on the app and you can download the app from the App Store and Apple uh, or, or Android. Or And there's a great customer service team there. I'm re- really proud of our customer service team because they mm-hmm. are, you know, crypto is known for having, you know, terrible kind of responsiveness, but they are so helpful. They're, they'll educate you. They will, 
give you all the help you need to understand what we do. And, you know, I'd love, love to hear feedback on the product, on, you know, anything that we do. We, I read everything that comes through that channel. Um, I spend quite a lot of time on LinkedIn as well. It's probably the only social media that, that I actually use. Um, and, you know, love to hear from the audience. Feel free just to reach out, direct message me. I'll, I'll, I'll always try and answer. Um, yeah, so that's, that's probably the best way. Well, I truly thank you. You know, I'm not a, I'm not very knowledgeable about crypto. I guess I'm still old fashioned, but uh, it it sounds like an exciting an exciting new area, and and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. And you know, my my, my guests would like to thank you, and I thank you. Um, let me just let me get ready to close off here. Is any any parting words that you want to say, Phil? Anything you want to share, or are you good? Um, I mean, the only, I mean, the only thing I would say is like, you know, at, at times like right now where there's a lot of kind of strife and you know, things in the world, it's, um, sounds cheesy, but like, I, I hope everyone kind of thinks a little bit before they kind of act at times, you know, I think so many, so many nasty things in the world could be like avoided by just people thinking about the other, how the other person would, will feel, you know, if whatever they're about to do, you know, it's like, you know, hard words, you know, have a think about it, you know, strong actions that people are taking against each other. It's like, just put yourself in the other person's shoes and know that the majority of people are hurting about something. You know, that's where, that's where the negativity that probably a lot of people experience reframing that, you know, that a lot of of the negativity people get from the world is actually just other people's pain that they're kind of projecting out. And I think if you can think of that, you know, it's, you're sort of, you know, try try and be more kind of um, empathetic than sort of angry at the world. I'd say is it would be one one thing I would always ask of anyone. You, you know that is so refreshing to hear. You know when I when I think of people in the uh, financial markets, the financial world, you think of the guy, you know, the Gordon Geckos from the, uh, the, the the Wall Street and stuff like that. And your what your parting words was 180 degrees opposite from that. You 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 show compassion. You show empathy, and I really like you sharing that. It's not all about the business. It's not all about the growth. You care about people. So I, I really appreciate those parting words, Phil. Pleasure. Pleasure, okay. Thank you. I'm going to get ready to sign off here. And if you have any questions or you want to leave a comment, view. You know, I, I think it's, it's important to get feedback. Full like to get feedback. I would like to get feedback. Please leave us a review about what you thought about today's episode. Episode. There will be weekly episodes coming out on the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy. I will speak of other successful CEOs of seven-figure businesses. So I look forward to sharing future secrets with my audience going forward. Thank you for being with us today, audience, and see you next time. Wayne Washington here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy Podcast. If you are a successful CEO of a seven-figure project-based client delivery environment and would like to be a guest CEO on the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy Podcast, please visit www.ceosecrets-execution.com and apply. If today you learn a tip or a technique to apply from my guest CEO, other CEOs would appreciate 
your sharing this episode on social media. To do that, just take a quick screenshot with your phone, then text it to another CEO or post that screenshot on social media. If you know of other CEOs who would be a great guest, text them and let them know about the CEO secrets for executing strategy podcasts. The CEO you are thinking about would appreciate you including a link to the scheduling website. That's www.ceosecrets-execution.com. We are regularly putting out new episodes. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe today. Remember, your thumbs up rating or a five-star review goes a long way to help promote the show and would mean an awful lot to me and my team. Do you want to know more about my company, Grow Company Profits? Go to our website at www.growcompanyprofits.com. You can also follow me, Wayne Washington, on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to having you back for our next episode.